Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if you want to check out any of the stories I'm about to share, just go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org, where I have a written version of the roundup with all of these stories. Let's jump in with the first one of the week. Yes, HIV self-testing is possible. The World Health Organization explored implementing HIV self-testing programs through an example taking place now in Bulgaria. The self-test provides a result in only 20 minutes, and it may be less work-intensive to provide, basically because, you know, instead of having to have a, a larger staff for community organizations to be testing people themselves, you know, they can just administer the self-test. There are also um, some evidence, as I'm about to discuss in my next story, that people may prefer to do a self-test for HIV rather than getting tested by someone else. This has been a really big topic during the pandemic because self-testing is also a really good way of avoiding face-to-face contact since instead of sitting there you know, and getting tested by another person, you're able to take the test, do it yourself, and then, and then turn it in to get the results. So it's also been um, something that's come up during the pandemic as a way to uh, limit you know, face-to-face contact during the, the COVID-19 pandemic. As promised, our next story is going to continue the same uh, idea. Self-testing offers more convenience and less stigma. So researchers um, led by Mary Hawk reviewed the available literature on preferences for HIV self-testing versus traditional testing, and they found that overall self-testing was preferred by the majority of people. There were kind of more practical reasons, things like convenience and cost. I guess in some cases, you know, the cost um, could be less to do this kind of testing. But then there were also reasons surrounding uh, stigma where, you know, people felt that um, it it was easier for them to do the test themselves and to kind of be, you know, sitting in front of someone uh, conducting the test who maybe they felt could be judging them or maybe they just didn't feel as comfortable, you know, interacting while they were having the test being taken. So um, definitely, you know, some interesting factors to consider when thinking about uh, whether or not to implement self-testing programs. Next up, disparities found for heart disease prevention. U.S. News & World Report reported on new research finding that sexual minority adults were less likely to take medication to lower the risk of heart disease than were their heterosexual peers, even though sexual minority adults are at higher risk for heart disease. So to be specific, 21% of LGB adults uh, were found to be taking statins as a preventive measure, compared to more than double that, 44% of non-LGB adults. They also found that the rates for actual treatment of, of heart disease or, or lowering cholesterol, to be specific, um, were, were about equivalent. But in terms of using it as a preventive measure, LGB adults were far outpaced by their heterosexual peers. And, um, you know, th- this really highlights the need to promote uh, heart health among LGBT individuals, which is something that the American Heart Association, for example, has recently drawn some attention to. In our next story, Teens Case Tests Discrimination Rules. The Tacoma News Tribune reported on a transgender teenager in Washington State who's suing his health care plan, or more specifically, uh, his parents are suing um, their health care plan for excluding gender-affirming care. 
The plan says that it's just following the instructions from the teen's mother's employer, which is where they get the health insurance from, and that happens to be a religious-based hospital system that doesn't want to cover transgender-related care. So, you know, the, the lawyers are kind of anticipating that that's the argument, is that the health plan isn't responsible, the employer is responsible. But the case is, is basically saying that, you know, the, the health insurer still has an obligation not to discriminate against uh, trans-related health care. Now, this case could test new Supreme Court jurisprudence on sex discrimination, which, as most folks know, they found to um, include transgender folks under that protection. It's also really closely related, obviously, to religious uh, exemptions to discrimination law, which has been another really hot topic. So this case is just getting started. Who knows how far it will progress? But definitely it's at the intersection of these two um, hot button issues, as are several other cases that are making their way through the system. And now for our next story, UK court blocks blockers. Reuters reported that in the UK, transgender advocates are concerned after a legal ruling. That means that doctors will now need to get a judge's approval to prescribe puberty blockers to youth under the age of 16. The LGBT Foundation, for example, saw a 60% jump in calls from concerned youth and parents who are worried that the new rule could prevent them from getting this life-saving treatment. So another interesting case around, um, you know, transgender youth accessing healthcare, um, but in this case, you know, a, a legal uh, barrier being imposed um, for youth being able to access that treatment, and that's even with a parent's consent. And in our final story for the week, LGBT inclusive social histories for youth. The American Medical Association published some guidance on how to take an LGBT-inclusive social history for young patients. Their tips include uh, asking open-ended questions, so, for example, avoiding something like, do you use drugs, and instead, you know, approaching it a little bit more uh, openly. Second, not assuming someone's orientation and asking to whom, if anyone, they feel attraction, which, you know, should be um, a a good step for providers to use with patients of all ages. And finally, they talk about building confidence over time through demonstrating confidentiality. That brings to a close another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. I hope that you've enjoyed listening and that you will subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. And again, if you want to check out any of these stories for yourself, just go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org. Thanks for listening.